So go ahead now and pull out your outline. Let's get into the message today. The peace that we often overlook. I ask everyone at the end of every service to receive prayer. I, it's a common thing. I say, you know, church is a place where it should be normal to ask for prayer. And I invite you to come and receive prayer for any reason, even as you're leaving. And it occurred to me, when was the last time I asked that from you? And I want to make a confession that I don't remember the last time I stood up here and said, please pray for me. And I, I, I need that now more than ever. In fact, uh, forgive me for not saying that more. I need you to pray for me because anytime you take new territory, you, do, you take new ground spiritually, you're going to be hassled by Satan. And it's going to be difficult and your faith will be tested. You know, Jesus, when he publicly declared a commitment to his father and was baptized, uh, he was led, the scriptures say, by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. <laughs> God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So God was in charge the whole time. He was leading Jesus by his spirit, but he was taking him to a place of adversity and difficulty so that his faith would be strengthened. That's what God does with every one of us. And so as we're heading into this, I should be asking more for your prayer because all through this year, we've just been hassled, my wife and I, and it's just been, you know, I got back from Haiti just last week, an incredible opportunity to see what God did, but really tiring Came back, was delayed, got back at 3 in the morning, did five services. Hades, an emotional toll, uh, just being in that place of uh, sadness and, and you see the poor like that. And uh, was worn out by Monday, worn out by Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon, came home, sat down on the couch, exhausted. And my wife hands me... Um, an envelope, and it's a check from the insurance company. You remember we had a water uh, damage in our house at the beginning of the year? One of the things that, just a hassle, it just, we had a flood, and, you know, I've spent more time um, on the phone with adjusters than I did actually cleaning up the water. <laughs> insurance company shall remain unnamed. I will not name names, but uh, hours and hours of time trying to get this settled, and this envelope came and the check came and I opened it up and it was only a quarter of what it was supposed to be. That was the last straw. I just went, I flipped out. I mean, if, if you'd have seen that, you'd have said, I'm not going to his church anymore. I guess you'd have said, that's no way for a pastor to act. In fact, I'm grabbing the phone and I'm calling and I want to speak to this guy. And, and then I gave, I lost all my peace and I gave him a piece of my mind I couldn't afford to lose. <laughs> And then, you know, you want the supervisor after that. After you've gotten that piece of your mind, I did. I wanted the supervisor. And I remember just, and the whole time I'm starting to hear this little laugh, like Satan's laughing at me going, that's loving people well. <laughs> you know, I'm up here talking about that. But then I saw my wife, and she is looking at me across the room, and she's going, hmm, that's how we handle our business. You know, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and you don't want, uh, you don't want to admit it, but, you know, you're just, you ever been there? Sometimes, I'm a 43-year-old man, but sometimes there is a 13-year-old on the inside that has a tantrum tantrum still. I think I'm a lot younger in my head. And sometimes you just kind of lose it. But you know what? As I was reflected, I'm like, why did I get so upset? And I prayed about it, and I realized i got to clean up this mess now. i got to call these people and apologize. And I realized, you know what this is really about? At the beginning of the year... When my wife and I started January, we're going to always go ahead and lead in advance. 
of anything we would ever ask of you. So we started to commit more of our lives to the Lord, and we started giving 25% of our income in January. Now, we had been increasing our tithe for years and years, and we had been adding a percentage every year, and we got to January, and we thought, okay, let's take this next step of faith and put God even more first in our lives and lead the way sacrificially. Well, i got to tell you, that's not easy. That's hard. You write that check, and you take a new step of faith, and you're wondering, how's it all going to work? And there's anxiety, and there's pressure, and some days it feels really good, and you feel like you're walking on water, and there's other days where you're saying, I can't walk on water. This is impossible. And there's some days you feel like you're full of faith, and other days your doubts are making you sink. Well, so when I got that check that was a quarter of what it was supposed to be, it was a sinking moment. And you say, well, I can't do this. This is impossible. I can't possibly, God, give to you and then have this. And then, God, by the way, why aren't you taking care of your part of the bargain? You know, isn't that what we say to God when things don't go the way that we want? God, I'm doing all this for you, and you're supposed to provide and protect. And there was that moment of fear and anxiety and pressure. And some poor guy got a whole bunch of anxiety and pressure and frustration that had nothing to do with him. The next day, supervisor calls me. Mr. Shesky, we are so sorry for all of the hassle. I've looked through your whole file. I'm sorry you've had four adjusters. In fact, I'm going to make this all right today. And she goes through it all, and she ends up giving me a total that's far beyond what I ever was asking for in the beginning. 24 hours later. And I'm going to FedEx it to you today. So the next day, I'm sitting here with the actual check in my hand, and I can hear God laughing. And he's going, I was just trying to teach you some patience. I got this. I've got you. I've got it all covered. I've got it figured out. I know what I'm doing in your life. I'm just asking for 24 hours of patience. Can you please have some faith? Get back in the boat, you know? I know what Peter felt like when he was walking on water and he sank, and the Lord said, oh, you have little faith. So I had peace available to me that I lost because I forgot something. And that's the thing I want to say to you this morning. There is peace that we often overlook that's available to us because we forget. So I wrote down some things for me that I just have to remember when I'm taking new steps of faith and I'm stretching and I'm walking on water, things I can't afford to forget. I want to read them to you this morning. Take a look at the scripture. We read it earlier. Um, this is what David said to himself. This is a, this is a, a self-directed instruction. Praise the Lord, my, oh my soul, and never forget the good that he has done. Or in 1 Samuel 12, 24, worship him faithfully with your whole heart and keep in mind all the great things that he has done among you. We often overlook peace that's available to us that comes from remembering, write this down, who God is and what he's already done. And when we forget who he is and what he's already done, we lose our peace. So here's four things I wrote down that I have to remember as I'm growing in faith. Number one, remember the miracles that God does. Remember miracles that God does. Do you remember what it was like when you got your, a car for the first time or you at 16 got your license and how excited you were that you wanted everybody to see you. You were excited you, that mom was not driving, but you got to drive. And you wanted everybody to see, well, you know what, that wears off really quick. Most of you drove today and you didn't even care. I mean, it was just I drove. And you don't think about it. It's not exciting anymore to drive. Except if you have a new car, then you want everybody to see you again, and it's really exciting for a little while, but boy, new wears off quick. I think about how amazing this world is and that we live, 
and how frustrated we get when things don't go our way. And yet it's really pretty amazing. I'm, I'm complaining because I was delayed on a flight in Miami. I'm sitting in a chair in the air that's going 500 miles an hour. Do you realize how amazing that is? And yet I complain because it took me three extra hours to get home. My grandfather went to Africa in 1946. It took him six weeks. And uh, we, we, the things that are supposed to cause us awe and amazement, they don't cause that much anymore. But I want you to remember some miracles that God has done in your life. I want to remember the miracle he's done in my life. Number one, remember uh, the first time you had a spiritual awakening. The day you came to Christ, when you recognized, whenever it was, I don't care if you grew up in church or if you never went to church before, but you had that moment, you had that sudden awareness of how awesome and good God was and how sinful you were. And you realized, I, I'm a sinful person. Like Peter, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But then you felt his love for you and you just responded and you said, Lord, forgive me and come into my life. And you experienced his forgiveness and you experienced his supernatural peace and you experienced that sense of I've got you and I'm gonna never leave you and forsake you. And, and you were baptized and there was an amazing, wonderful moment of humility when you realized the generosity of God towards you. You know, it's amazing. Uh, person cuts you off on the freeway a week before, and, you know, they're the embodiment of Satan. And then, you know, later on, after Christ has changed our heart, we go, man, you know, that I, I was a jerk too. I, I, I was a jerk in need of the grace of God. In fact, we should always remember that. We're all just jerks, <laughs> except for the grace of God, that we would be just like everybody else. And so it's really humbling, and it's good, and it's, it's, it's important to remember the miracle of my changed heart. Secondly, remember the miracles that God does, that he, the miracles, this is like point B under number one, like the miracles that God has done in my life. What's a miracle? A miracle is an event that can only be explained by God. So when you see a little baby that's born for the first time, you see your child and you go, this, this, is, this is God. Or, or you had a really hard heart and God changed your heart. Or something that was dead and you gave up on and God raised it to life. Or a detail of his provision. He took care of a problem or he provided in such a way that was so specific it had to be God. The Bible says remember those. Remember when you first came to Christ. That's a verse in Hebrews. And remember the miracles that he does. That's, that's uh, in, let's see, what's that verse? First Chronicles 16, 12. Remember the miracles that he has performed. Why? Because life is hard. And life's filled with adversity, and it doesn't always go easy. And there's pressure and difficulty. But the miracles of God show us his character and who he is. And yes, we've had subtraction and division in our lives, but God has also added to us, and he's also multiplied. And we're, we're not to focus on all of the struggles and the difficulties, but we focus on the miracles that he's done, because those are what build our faith. I love this verse in Deuteronomy 7 where it says, Remember that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. He lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Listen, friends, he is a God that can be depended on, and he has never failed us. And over 13 years, we've seen one miracle after another in all of my life. I can count the goodness and the miracles of God. In fact, the greatest miracle is a changed heart. And I can go back and I can remember 1,500 
baptisms in the life of our church in 13 years. A miracle of God. May I never forget that. Number two, I want to remember that God is with me and he will always be with me. And never forget that. You may feel alone. You may feel you're going through something by yourself, and that is a legitimate feeling, but you're not really alone. God is absolutely with you. I love this verse in Isaiah where it says, when you go through deep waters, God says, and and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, in other words, you feel like you're just going upstream and everything's coming against you, you will not drown. When you walk through fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So the key to courage is remembering that God promises that he'll be with you. That, that believing God when he says in Hebrews, I am your God that will never fail you and I'll never abandon you. You may feel alone, but you're not alone and he will help those people who trust in him. Every time you take a step of faith to grow, any time you take a risk to obey God in an area you have not gone before, you're going to be hassled by Satan. And you're going, to, you're going to have adversity come at you to test that commitment. It's, I wish it was better news, but that's, that's what God does in our lives. In fact, spiritual maturity is simply this. I'll make it as simple as possible. A, a spiritually mature person or a maturing person is a person who is trusting God to take care of them. Instead of trying to control everyone and everything and make it all your way, a spiritually maturing person is one who is increasingly, God, I trust you to care for me. And so he promises, I'll be with you and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you no matter what you go through. And so uh, if you make this commitment and stretch in your generosity, you're going to have a thousand voices come into your head. Well, what if I lose my job? And what if I can't do this? And what if I get sick? And what if the economy, you know, does this? And, and all of these swirling of voices, and the real test will be is, do I trust God and will I do what he tells me to do? And I can just say from one man that's trying to test God by taking a new risk, and stretching ourselves in an area we've never gone before, I'm telling you God has proven faithful in our lives every single time. And don't try to compare yourself to anybody else. You don't have to do what I'm doing at all. In fact, just do the next step that God has asked of you. And the question is, will you trust him for what he's saying to you? And after 24 years of marriage, I've discovered we cannot outgive God. That the message of God in the details of our lives consistently is, Darren, you and Larie, you're my precious kids, and I'm going to take care of you, and I've always taken care of you. And how do you come to a place where you know that? Well, you trust God. You do the things that he tells you to do. You know what? We've lived uh, frugally. We, we've, we've gotten ourselves out of debt. We live the same lifestyle. We live in the same house. We've limited our lifestyle so that we can continue to bless and to give to the kingdom of God. And yeah, life changes and new additions come and we've got one child in college and a second one this fall. And it doesn't all make sense, but we've always given by revelation and not by reason. I mean, what I mean is if God tells us to do something, then we do it and then we watch God provide and we keep doing what he asks us to do. He is always blessed and where he guides, he provides. 
The other thing that I know as I wrote down is that God always finishes what he starts. If he tells me to do it, he's going to finish it. And that's so important because sometimes we think that we have to have it all figured out. And God says this, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that verse. Or I love in the message translation, 1 Chronicles 1.9, God who got you started in this great adventure, he will never give up on you. Never forget that. That's an incredibly encouraging promise. And the one we all know, Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. That's an incredibly encouraging that God's going to finish what he starts. And we just inherently know that this adventure of faith that we're going on together, friends, in the next two years, it's going to grow us. It's going to be an adventure we're going to look back and we're going to see God have done great things in all of our lives together. And that's the last part. I, I, I believe God when he says his promises. Listen, look at this promise. Number four, I want to remember, I don't have to worry because I know that the scripture says that God blesses the generous. That he blesses the generous because it's all about his heart and he's taking my heart and he's making it like his. So he's going to bless that. Born selfish, but born again to become like God. And giving helps me remember that life is really all about people and it's not about things. And people are what's really important to God. And it's the giving that breaks the grip of materialism on my life. And it's giving that makes me actually happy. Because intuitively, we all know this, what Jesus said is true. Yeah, it's, it's fun to receive, but it is way more fun. It, it makes me way more happy to be the one who is the giver than the one who's the taker. And that's what Jesus said. And he said that whatever you sow, you'll reap. And so if you sow into the lives of others, you will reap generosity back. Now, I know many of you are saying, Darren, I get this, I believe it, and my heart is in the right direction, but I wanna tell you how hard this is for me to do. And I wanna let you know, I know this, I'm living it. It is hard, it's difficult. And some of you are going paycheck to paycheck and you're saying, I want to do this, but I'm scared and I'm afraid. And I don't know what it all going to happen. In fact, you look at the goal that we throw out together and you say, well, what difference would it make? I mean, I make such a small amount and there's, I don't have a lot of resources, so what difference would a little make anyway? And I'm so scared. What do I do? Well, here's the thing. Some of you have never in the past ever even considered the idea of intentionally saying, God, you're going to be first in my life. And I know how difficult that is. And I want you to hear the story of one of our members named Melissa who's going through that right now. And she was kind enough to share her story with all of us today. Take a look at this. Hi, I'm Melissa. I've been coming to Heartland for about a year and a half. It was a few weeks ago in small group that um, we were doing a study on Andy Stanley's guardrails. And the discussion that evening was, you know, our guardrails with our finances and, and you know, a tithing. And, you know, someone like me who lives paycheck to paycheck, you know, and things are so tight the way that they already are, how can I give 10%? It was weighing heavy on my heart and had a conversation with Pastor Jared the next day, you know, and he just reaffirmed to me that God will bless me and you know that being obedient to God this is one of the first things that you need to do 
And so I was all excited and pumped up and had already decided I was going to do it. And then a few days had gone by where I'd already talked myself out of it again. You know, the fear of, can I really make it? Can, can I do it? Can I, can I trust God that much? Pastor Darren finished up his last series of Blessed Life and his discussion of tithing and, you know, having that faith, putting, giving it all to God, you know, it really, really spoke to me and I could really feel God grabbing my heart and my stomach and saying, just do it. Just have that faith in me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I can't even explain to you how at peace I am. I'm not worried about anything. It's about being obedient to God and not expecting Him to give back. You know, I don't want anything from Him. I just want to show Him that I do have complete and utter faith in Him. It's more than just money. It's giving Him my heart, like loving Him like He loves me. The new series, L3, that Pastor Darren is um, taking us through um, makes me stop and think how can my small tithe help but every little bit helps even you know the people with paycheck to paycheck you know just put your faith in God and pray about it ask him what you should do and he will guide you I started tithing and I prayed about it so I filled out the commitment card and I'm excited to see what God brings in the next 24 months. Isn't that a great story? That's so awesome. You see, there's peace available to us that we often overlook. And it's because we, we don't remember who God is. And we forget what he's already done in our lives. And yet there's still another kind of peace that we often overlook. And it's a different kind of peace, and that peace is me, and that peace is you. There was a story where Jesus actually um, watched people coming and giving their offerings to the Lord. And he watched all these people do this incredible, uh, you know, amounts, and they were so excited about their giving and, and all the difference it was making, and they talked a lot about it. And there was this one woman that came up real quiet, and she put in just two small coins, and... Jesus highlighted her and said she gave the greatest gift of anyone in the entire Bible. She gave more than everyone else. They gave out of all of their extra, but she gave everything that she had. And there was something about that lady's heart that, see, see, it's not really the most extravagant gift in the Bible. There was one bigger, and it was God who would give his son, and Jesus who would give everything. And I think he looked at that woman, and he says, now there's somebody there's somebody, the one person I found who has a heart like mine. And see, that's the piece you often overlook is how, how God looks at you and how important you are to him. And how he's looking at your heart and how you have the opportunity with your heart to bless God. That's an amazing opportunity. That's an amazing gift to be able to say, God, my heart can bless yours. In the Bible, um, anytime we make uh, a, a when we remember the good thing God has done, in the Bible all the way through, they, the people of Israel, they made memorials. And one time when Joshua crossed the Jordan River and God did a miracle for, by stopping the water, 
everybody uh, picked up some rocks and they made a monument. And Joshua said, let's build a monument here uh, for, all of your, for, all, for us and for all of our children. That every time they see this, they're going to say, why did we do this? And you'll be able to tell the story of God. Well, we want to give you something today. I had that big lovely launch picture that we have that is for our whole series. I had to make it into a big puzzle. And they cut it up into a bunch of little pieces. And we want to give everybody a piece on your way out today. Because the piece you often overlook is you. And God is using all of us together to make a great picture of his love for all people uh, to a broken world. And every single person matters and every single person is important. And you have the opportunity to bless the heart of God with your own heart. And God is going to do something great in us and through us. And there's going to be a picture and a message that's sent to our world that the people of God care. And that's what I want for all of us over these next few weeks. So do you receive this this morning? All right, let me pray together for us. Now, Father, I thank you for how you've reminded me this week of how important I am to you and how you're watching over every detail of my life and that you have, you reminded me again of all the, the things that you've already done, the works that you've already done in advance uh, in my life. You have been with me, you've protected me, you've cared for me. And so, Lord, today I want to thank you for that. Thank you for the, for the miracles you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for always being with me and promising to be with me in the future. Why don't you say that to him? Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for uh, always providing and for always meeting my needs and for promising that you're always going to be there. And Maybe you want to just give him your life today and say, you know what, God, I've held you at a distance for a long time, but today I give my heart to you. Why don't you say, God, I give you me. It's the greatest gift you could ever give him. And Father, keep your promises uh, to us, Lord. You've promised to bless the generous and bless our hearts towards you. And thank you for this great reminder today from your word. Now pour out your spirit on all of your people one more time. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you just stand?